Hello and welcome to the Alive Church in Newark podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. We hope that you find what you're looking for today and that you are challenged and inspired to pursue the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message. But yeah, just a little bit about me then. So I um, I spent eight years as a secondary school teacher teaching everyone's favourite subject of RE. And um, that was good fun. And then I had the privilege of being invited to uh, join the Assemblies of God Bible College as um, a lecturer. And then recently got the opportunity to really sort of promote the college in in that area. So, and if anyone does want to learn more about the Bible College or anything like that, you know, feel free to grab me at the end, that's fine. Um, But my upbringing, just so for some of you just to know where I'm coming from, I grew up in an Anglican church, but for a period of time, I also went to a Baptist church. My my grandparents came from the Brethren on one side and the other. Grandparents, they came from the Methodist church. And I had key people in my life from the Roman Catholic denomination. So as you can see, whether it's been Anglican, Methodist, Roman Catholic, I've just been affiliated and associated with all sorts of different denominations. And then I found myself at the Assemblies of God, that's a Pentecostal movement, uh, at their Bible college. And I've been in Pentecostal charismatic churches ever since, actually only one church. (laughs) And um, yeah, and again, even when I was at Bible college, actually, my placement was at um, an alive uh, plant on Rhizome, wasn't it? Yeah, in Lincoln. So, you know, just um, being around and just always in a place where doesn't matter what church I'm in, what denomination. There's just always a place just to worship God. You know, there's always, there's nowhere we can't learn from. And my disposition, my heart is I always want to continue to learn. I always want to grow in the things of God. And there isn't a situation or a person that I can't learn from. So, and that is my passion. And I love being in the classroom. That is like my comfort zone. You know, take me there. Let's journey together. Let's learn together. So, and I love the opportunity to preach the word of God as well. And very often, I do my best that it doesn't turn into a teach. So bear with me if it does. Great. So um, today, my message is called to be a people of hope. I feel a little bit restricted on here. I'm used to really walking around, so I'll do my best not to fall off. Um, But called to be a people of hope. So when you think about hope, what is that? What does it mean to be a people of hope? So you might already, you may have heard some of the content that I'm sharing today in your years as Christians and, and walking as a disciple of Jesus. This message, it might be familiar to you. So it may just be an encouragement today. And you might be thinking of particular scriptures that come to mind, like Hebrews 11, 1. Faith is the substance of what we're sure of, the hope of that conviction that we have, or even 1 Corinthians in that um, passage between 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, when all things pass away, the things that remain are faith, hope, and love, and love is um, the most utmost of these. So you might be familiar with the concept of hope. So today I want to look at a passage through that lens of hope, and I just want to pull out three things. Is that okay? Hopefully you'll um, you'll go with me on that. So what do we mean by hope? And I understand, folks, that the word hope and faith can be used interchangeably. And in a biblical, a scriptural context, a New Testament, Old Testament context, you really can't have one without the other. But I want to focus on what that means. So what does it mean? 
It is the confident expectation of what God has promised. And the strength of that hope is in the faithfulness of God. Okay, it's an expectation. We give that term to the name, to name that feeling of something we're expecting God to do. We have a hope and we're encouraged in Peter to always have a reason for the hope that we have. And I wanna tell you this morning that having hope is powerful. I wanna tell you that having hope is transformative, all right? So that expectation, knowing, believing that what God promised in Scripture, He will fulfill. And as you follow the narrative of Scripture throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, you recognise the promises of God to His people. And they encourage you, they inspire you, and they give you hope. Amen? It's exciting, isn't it? We've always got hope, and I love that. As that chap led us in prayer, sorry, was it Steve? Paul, sorry, Paul, <laughs> um, as he led us in prayer, just, just praying over Ukraine, over all that's going on, and just thinking about, we have to have an answer. We have to have hope in this time. We really do. So called to be a people of hope. So my focus passage, it is Mother's Day, so the hero of my story today is a woman, all right? Um, but we are looking at Mark 5, 21 to 34. Okay, and I'm going to read that passage to you. <clears throat> and when Jesus had crossed again to the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and he implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but, she, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Let's just pray for a minute. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Yeah, Lord. Lord, we just come into your presence this morning. Lord, and we ask that you speak to us through your word by your spirit. Lord, touch our hearts, encourage us. Lord, we pray. We give you all the glory. We look to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It is only the spirit of God that can take a word and split it 70 different ways to touch every single person in a different way. It's only the spirit of God can do that. And it's so precious, so precious. Such a privilege that I get to bring the word of God and I can trust the Holy Spirit to do his bit. <laughs> okay, great. So I want to go to just um, verse 27. Chapter 5, verse 27. I want to pause here for a minute. She, heard, she had heard the reports about Jesus. 
I want to, so what did she hear? Okay, so you start in, Mark, in Mark's gospel, and Mark is the shortest out of the four gospels. I'm sure you probably know that. But listen, it is explosive. It is dramatic. As soon as you get into the text, it is go, go, go. It is Jesus is anointed with the Spirit. He comes through the wilderness. He comes out of the temptation. He's anointed. He goes straight into the synagogue, and he brings a teaching, and the crowd are listening. And they're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. He is speaking with power and authority, and they've not heard it before. They've not heard it before. And while he's in that synagogue, there is um, a man with an unclean spirit and he sets him free and they are amazed. And then he goes on and he meets the disciples and he calls the disciples to him. It is go, go, go in Mark's gospel. And as soon as he's meeting the disciples and he's calling them, he then gets taken to Peter's mother-in-law's house. Okay, and she's in bed with a fever. She is lying down. She is in a bad way. And Jesus prays with her. And the next moment, he, she is up and she is serving them. Let me ask you, what normally happens? <laughs> when you got a fever, you are down. And as you start to feel better, listen, you are tired. You are like, I can't go anymore. But she is up and she is serving. And then it goes on. And he sees somebody else that he heals. And he heals a leper. And then he heal, cleanses another uh, uh, a man with another unclean spirit, the man with the withered hand, and it is busy and it is dramatic. And all of a sudden you get to this story. What has she heard? What has she heard about Jesus? You're in Mark 5. She has heard about the healings. She has heard about the lepers. She has heard about the people crowding round. Because just two chapters before in Mark 3, it tells us that the crowds were following Jesus. There was something new that Jesus was doing. And I often tell people, look, when you're looking at the Scriptures, you've got to understand the context of the Scripture. This is a patriarchal era. It is a male-dominated world. Everything is centered on the man, okay? You've got to understand that context before you really see the power of what is being said. And then you've got to recognize the new teaching, the new trajectories that Jesus is bringing in. And they are powerful. They are really powerful because let me tell you something. There is nobody who has not not got access to Jesus. What am I saying? Everybody is welcome to draw close to Jesus. And this is what she has heard. It is powerful. And I want to say this, that hope emerges. It is established based on what you've heard about Jesus. It's so powerful. Today, when you think about sharing your testimony, when you think about that we are called to make disciples, we are called to witness to the ends of the earth. And at the time, Samaria and Judea and the ends of the earth, that was the Roman Empire. And we translate that message today and we realize to the ends of the earth, the word of God, the witness of Jesus Christ, it has to go everywhere. What are we witnessing? What are we giving testimony to? Because if you were a Jew... It wasn't that you didn't believe in God, because of course you did. Okay, so they were witnessing to the fact that he was the son of God. He was the Messiah. He was the one that God had promised that was going to restore his people. It's a powerful message for them. And so what are we sharing today? What is the power of our testimony and our witness and that encourages us. We've got to realize when you share, when you witness and you give testimony about what Jesus has done in our life, has done in your life, that becomes a vehicle to impart hope. It, they are sowing seeds of hope for somebody else. She had heard about Jesus. You know, and we've got to have those conversations. We've got to have those robust, resilient conversations about what does it look like to witness today? Because everyone will have a different idea. 
And I am very much, listen, <laughs> put me in the classroom, I love it, and I feel safe. Put me in a room with a load of people who don't know Jesus. I'm like, Lord, you've got to give me a word because I don't do this naturally. It doesn't, you know, so I, I really have to go by believing as, as people who are empowered by the Spirit that in that moment, in a strange environment, I'm like, Lord, just give me a word. <laughs> That'll do. You know, some people just do it so naturally. But that, that is powerful. And you know, the scripture says in Psalms that taste and see that the Lord is good. And sometimes your witness, the testimony, just one word to somebody gives them a taste. You've got no idea what's going on in their journey. You don't know what they've heard before or what they're going to hear coming up. You don't know. We just have to be faithful to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's exciting, isn't it? It's a vehicle. Our testimony, our witness is a vehicle of hope. And hope is powerful. Okay, thank you, Lord. Let me just quickly digress. I do this, I'm sorry, but I'm just thinking. When I had the privilege of teaching at Tuxford Academy, I had a student, and um, she didn't come from a Christian background at all, and she took my philosophy and ethics course, GCC, and then went on to do it at A-level. Such a lovely, lovely girl, and she had so many questions. And as a professional, I could never talk about my faith unless it was invited, you know? So I had to remain professional. But let me tell you, I wept over the students I taught. And I remember her saying to me, and I thank God for the body of Christ, Oh my goodness, we need each other. My word, you know, this service wouldn't happen if it wasn't for Dom and for Sam, if it wasn't for Ollie, if it wasn't for Steve, if it wasn't for Paul, if it wasn't for Al. You know, I'm sorry, I don't know everyone involved on the team, but this wouldn't happen if it wasn't for them doing their part in serving. Isn't that amazing? That's great, isn't it? We come together to, as the body of Christ and we need each other. Listen, I don't know who Katie Pickering is, but thank you for sending me the run sheet. I, you know, that was brilliant Friday. I got that well ahead of time. Uh, look, administration. You can't run a church without it. We've got to value these gifts, you know? We have to value each and every single gift and embrace one another because we're on this journey together and it's powerful. You know, church is powerful. Community coming together. Anyway, I say all of this because... Some, some, this student was telling me about one time and she's in the car, she's in a driving lesson. And of course, he's also a professional, but he's burning with the word of God. He's got no idea about, you know, he knows she's an A-level student studying. And he just says, look, I've just got to tell you something. I've just got to tell you that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And she's like, wow, that's amazing. I'm trying to decide what to do. And I currently study this course. And, and you know, and that really spoke to her. Same week, same week, she's in boots and she's looking for something. And she's in a rush and she's getting all flustered and she drops something on the floor and she's like, oh no, I'm getting all flustered. And she, she goes down and she bends down to pick it up and a lady comes along and helps her pick up her stuff. And she just, can I just tell you that there is peace in God? You know, and just, just prompted to share the word. Wow, witness, testimony, just very naturally, you know, just so powerful. And she went on to give her life to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Because she just realized, here is God breaking into my life through those people who have been faithful in their witness and their testimony. That's amazing. So I just want to tell you that this woman in the crowd, okay, she had heard what she had heard about Jesus. But it gets really powerful. Because what happens next? That's my cue. What happens next? <laughs> um... Great. <laughs> she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. 
All right, so based on what she heard, okay, she is now in this decision-making process. She's heard about the people that have crowded around. She's heard about the people that was healed. Now listen, she's heard about the leper. Why is that significant? That leper that got healed just a few chapters before, let me tell you, he's an unclean person. He lives outside the community. He is not welcome. Okay, and she identifies with that. Here is a woman who has an issue of blood. We don't quite know what that is. It doesn't really matter. What we know is that she is not allowed to be within the community because of her condition. Okay, she, she has been alienated. She has been ostracized. And she has given everything she can to try and sort this out. Everything. And so now she's in this situation. She's like, I've heard about Jesus. I've heard. And you know what? I heard the testimony. I heard what he has done for people. And he's here. He's over there. And then, and then enters Jairus. But Jairus, okay, he is a respectable Jewish synagogue ruler. Of course Jesus is going to help him. But who am I? I'm a, I'm a woman living outside. And if I go near that crowd, surely... I'm not going to be welcome. Surely I'm going to face further humiliation. She lives in a place of shame, rejection, humiliation outside of the community. And she is desperate. She's got nothing else to lose. This is her situation, her very real situation. This is a hard place to be. But because of what she's heard, how Jesus is reaching everybody, then there must be space for her. There must this. So she gets the courage and she pushes through that crowd and she touches his garment. Wow. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. I want to tell you that hope is cultivated in our hearts. And what I mean by that, it's taking that time from to think about what we've heard. The word of God calls us to meditate on his word. It's not you hear it once, you read it once, and that's it. No, no, no. <laughs> the first community of the early church, okay, what they did, because again, they would have been hearers primarily, all right? You've got a very poor context, people that did not have and could not read, and so people would read them the scriptures. And then what you would do, you would be in that sense of, um, of a gathering, and you'd be like, oh, what did that mean? And tell me what this means. Okay, so it's interactive, Hearing the word of God is not passive. There is a process. There is an engagement here. <clears throat> so she has thought and heard and dwelt and she has made that step even though she knows what she might face. What's it going to take? And I think for some people to make that step to move nearer to Jesus means confronting shame. It means confronting fears. It means confronting those things that would otherwise hold us back. But that testimony we heard that has given us hope, that is now cultivated in our hearts, will force us, will propel us to go into that place where we might face challenge. We might, and it is going to be difficult, but it's worth it. She wants that healing. She wants that encounter because it's hope in that in that possible restoration that drives her that moves her and as I was thinking on this I was just thinking I don't know how many have ever been to a gig or a, a music festival you know or even a parents evening but you know when you're stuck in a crowd okay <laughs> um 
And when you're stuck in a crowd, sometimes it is so like intense and you just can't move forward, can you? And you struggle. And sometimes you just have to take, you know what, I can see Jesus. I'm just going to try and get there. <laughs> and there is pressure either side and people are crowding around. And I just want to speak metaphorically just for a moment. Sometimes in our lives, we got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And when it feels like a struggle, we just got to keep pushing through. We got to keep pressing in. We've got to be willing just to confront the things we're afraid of. Maybe confront the things that bring us shame because we believe because of the hope we've heard that Jesus can meet us in our place of need. That's such a powerful message. Such a powerful message. Wow. What did she have to confront if she wanted to encounter Jesus? What would prompt her to be so daring? Hope. That's what hope does. Hope will always maintain momentum in your life. Doesn't matter what season you're in. And seasons, they can be tough. It's funny, you know, when you hear someone talk on, you know, what season are you in in your life? <laughs> you know, and we've got to tune into God because it's important to know and understand what God is doing and how he's working in our life, okay? That is so important. Of course it is. But, you know, sometimes you can have a season within a season. You know, I can look back and we, we've been through seasons, difficult, challenging seasons. You know, one that lasted seven years. Wow, gosh, I learned all about perseverance. That was such a formative time. You can ask my husband about that. <laughs> such a formative time. Now the season lasted five years. Wow, that was a challenge. But what kept us going <laughs> through that struggle, through that challenge, was the hope we have in Jesus Christ. And that's not only now from what we've heard because your testimony becomes a platform. Your testimony becomes that foundation. You know that rock that we're building our lives on? His name is Jesus. And every time we meet with him and we come through a season or a situation, we, that builds on our, our foundation. And we have a powerful testimony then to share because we've seen the faithfulness of God, our hope in the expectation that God is going to fulfill what he has promised. Its strength is in his character. Because even when we don't understand things, let me tell you, the character of God never changes. He is always good. He is always love. He is always faithful. Again, my hope in the confidence in what God is going to do and in his character. Okay, so right time is going, but I'm just going to go to my last point. She fell down before him. She fell down before him. So when, who, no. Let's, yeah, let's read this bit. <laughs> uh, okay. And Jesus perceiving, I'm just going to read just a little bit before Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him. Immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And the disciples said to him, oh dear, I've just lost it. Um, you who see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the women, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Wow. Uh, there's just a few things here that just really touched my heart. And I had, I had finished my message and then I went back to it last night. And I, again, just the Lord just put this bit in my heart. She's reaching out. She's stepping into that uncomfortable place. I mean, she comes to him fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. She's afraid because she knows she shouldn't be there in the crowd because she was an unclean person. 
So she, she, she's, she's afraid and she knows exactly what she has just had an encounter. She has had an encounter. Her hope drove her to that place. So now she's on her knees and it's just lovely because Jesus says, who touched me? And he's looking around because not only does Jesus want to bring that healing, want to bring that restoration, but he wants to meet with her personally. It is not just about the healing. No, no, this is about getting to know Jesus. And I found this really powerful. And when I, I had the privilege of studying John's gospel when I did my master's, and when I was studying it, it changed everything for me because I'm sure you've had the teaching on John's gospel. But you know, the way it's structured, there are seven signs in John's gospel, healing accounts. It's not like Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where especially Mark was just rabid one after another, healing, excellent, healing, excellent. You know, it just goes on and on. Well, in, in John, there's only seven, and it's intentional and it's deliberate for the author's theological agenda because it says these signs... They point to Jesus. And listen, when I got hold of that, it changed the way I pray. It changed everything for me because I realized this. Yes, I believe the Lord is our healer. Absolutely. And I always, always pray like that. Always pray. And I know we have that, that tension of, but we don't always see healing. And we have to wrestle with that as Christians. But we continue to pray because he is the healer. And so I will always pray for healing. Absolutely. But listen, there's something greater than the healing. And that's meeting Jesus. That's meeting Jesus. That's the greatest thing that our testimony and our witness can ever do is to introduce people to Jesus. And what he wants is to meet with people too. Isn't that precious? Isn't that, I just found that. And again, just want to encourage you today. Sometimes when we've been walking just for a while, we just need to be refreshed and we need to, maybe we've got to struggle and we've got to press in to take hold of that encounter with Jesus. I just want you to know that he's there and he wants to meet with you again, again. I've had the privilege of walking with Jesus for 30 years. I, had a, I went off the track for a little while, for a number of years, but I got back on. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord for that. <laughs> but what has marked my journey, and these are the two things I'm so passionate about, is the Word of God and the presence of God. I can't have one without the other. It is two in one. The Word became flesh. He made His dwelling among us, and the Word is the Logos. You know, God is incarnate in His Word and His Spirit, and He wants to move us forward all the time, growing in an understanding of who he is. And I found that powerful. But what I want to say is, and again, just drawing attention to this, she fell on her knees. Because she, she doesn't know it. You read this story. At this point, she hasn't got the revelation that, she, that Jesus is the Son of God. And I find that really important. Because when we're witnessing to people who haven't got that Christian background or that context, and we start talking about Jesus, they're like, who the heck? <laughs> You, you know, they don't know, but they hear his name. And, you know, that hope, those seeds of hope. And I've heard about Jesus. I want to get to know Jesus. But they may not have had that revelation that he's the son of God. She didn't. She just knew at this point that she'd encountered a rabbi, a teacher who was carrying a power that could heal her and meet her in her needs. But let me tell you what else that encounter did because it is powerful. He says to her, daughter, he restores her identity. Because she is living not as a daughter of the covenant people of God, because she's a Jew. And we know that because he calls her daughter. She is living outside of that. 
So in that moment of that miracle, she doesn't just receive the healing, she receives restoration. No longer do you need to be ostracized. No longer do you need to feel shame or rejection and all those things that are really real to people inside and outside of the church. You don't need to feel shame about any of that because as you look to me, as you encounter me, you will be restored and you will have a confidence in your identity. Daughter, go in peace. Let me tell you, she wasn't living in peace. Distress, despair, isolation. She'd given everything. Here's a desperate woman. And in that encounter, that powerful encounter, she's not only healed, she meets Jesus. Her identity is restored. Isn't that powerful? Makes me want to cry. (laughs) A little bit emotional. I brought my tissues just in case. Ollie nearly got me earlier when he was reading the scriptures. I was like, no, keep it together. You know, but the way the Spirit of God moves sometimes in me, I just can't help but cry. You know? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So listen, why is encounter important? Because it keeps us humble. Humble in that sense of there is only one who's got the power to heal, who's got the power to restore, who's got the power to transform. And I want to encourage you this morning just to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You know, and maybe you're still waiting for a healing or maybe you just need to be refreshed and you need to feel like, I just want to have another encounter. My years of walking with Jesus, I've got significant moments of counter and significant times of learning and growing and teaching. And I want more. I'm not stopping. I've got hopefully in the next 50 years, not that I want to die at 90, but you know, I'm giving my age away. (laughs) Oh dear. So listen, I want to encourage you. I think we're just coming to an end. If this morning you want prayer, and I know there's a prayer team that Teresa is heading up and, and Steve is involved. Is that, have I still got Steve wrong again? I've got, bringing, I'm bringing you into everything, Steve. I know you're at the back. <laughs> Come down as well. <laughs> and I do, I just want to encourage you. If we can pray for you. If there, if, or, or maybe there is someone that you're praying for. Maybe we can pray together for that person. Let's do that. Let's just take five minutes. Or maybe you're just saying, I need a fresh encounter as well because I have a testimony of what God's done in my life, but I want to go deeper. I want to press through that crowd and I want to touch hold of Jesus again. And I want to grow in understanding my identity as a child of God. It's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. So I hope you have been encouraged today. Hope is built on what you've heard. Hope is cultivated in our heart. There has to be that wrestling of, Lord, I know you said this. I've read this in your word. Lord, I want to see this in my life. Lord, I'm struggling with this. It's real. And that hope keeps that conversation alive. And we've got to walk through this stuff to make sure that our witness and our testimony is authentic. And hope is seen in our humility because there is no, no one like Jesus. I wasn't expecting a promotion that I got in the Bible college. A mum, two little boys. I was only working two and a half days. Oh my word, and I could not do this role without the grace of God, without the mercy of God, without an incredible husband. You know, I couldn't do it without, without that. It keeps us humble encountering him, the one who is able. Amen. So I want to invite, if anyone wants prayer this morning, I don't know how you normally do it, if people come to the front and we have a song or something like that, or if there's anything that's touched your heart, let's meet with Jesus and pray. 
Amen. And if not, just let's just worship. Thanks so much for joining with us. We hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did enjoy, you can subscribe to hear more from Alive Church Newark. You can share this message with your friends or you can share on your social media pages. We hope and pray you have a great week and meet with God. God bless you.